0: Last week, we we spent the bulk of our time in, in 2 Timothy with Paul's exhortation to young Timothy, his disciple and protege, to both continue in the sacred writings and preach the word. There's a both and there. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, Paul says, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That too, as we talked about last week, Paul's word for us, an exhortation that we can all apply to our lives, continue in the word, abide in the word, remain in the word, that we would build our lives on the sacred writings of scripture, that we would build our marriages and families on the word, that we would build the various ministries of the church on the word, that we would help to plant continuing in the word churches, you might say, trusting Again going back to 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is breathed out by God so that where the bible speaks God speaks. His word living and active Hebrews chapter 4 effectual in that it has the power to do what it promises to do. And yet <clears throat> Paul doesn't stop there as he addresses not only uh, Timothy's personal devotion to the scriptures but to Timothy's public proclamation of the scriptures reminding Timothy with the most sobering of words that Timothy conducts his ministry, as does any minister of the gospel, in the very presence of God and Christ in that it's Christ who will return and to whom Timothy will someday give an account as will all having sat under Timothy's preaching. And with that, Paul's exhortation to preach the word when so many others are abandoning the sacred writings Trusting that over the course of time, a steady diet of God's word will have its effect. Trusting God to conform his people by the power of his grace to the image of his son. To not get cute with church growth pragmatism. To preach the word. Last Sunday, we, we ventured into the, the new year with an exhortation to be resolute in the scriptures. To continue in the sacred writings. Personal devotion to the scriptures for all of us public proclamation of the scriptures for any who would step into the pulpit of this church. This morning builds on that foundation and and we'll see again even next week a building on this foundation, the foundation of continuing in the sacred writings going back to last week. As the sacred writings of scripture themselves, we're about to see it, make clear that the aim is not only to master the scriptures but to be mastered by them. Looking at this morning's passage, the the book of Lamentations, it's written by an eyewitness who uh, survived the destruction of Jerusalem and the the ransacking of the temple, and with that, the the death and starvation of, of so many people in the midst of the siege and the exile of God's people to Babylon. This book of the Bible providing us, and the name tells it all, with a raw, honest depiction of human emotion. Capturing something of the the fullness of the human experience in in that regard. It's authorship anonymous, inviting all of us to, to identify with the substance of the writing for ourselves, inviting us to declare with the author, Lamentations chapter three, verse one, I am the man who has seen affliction. If you pick up in verse 17 of Lamentations chapter three, the author says, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. For some of us, and we talked about this throughout the course of the Advent season as it brings up not just a joyful celebration and looking back on the first coming of Christ into the world, but a hopeful anticipation, a deep longing for the second coming of Christ to set all things right, that we live outside of Eden These words hitting close to home for those of us having navigated a few of those dark nights of the soul. Again, to use that poetic language of Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. The author of Lamentations, he finds himself in a a season of weeping, a season of mourning, a moment of real sorrow and despair, recorded honestly and transparently, mind you, right here in the God-breathed scriptures, a declaration that that we can lay bare our sorrows, our frustrations, our questions before the Lord and before his people, that we can name that which is broken in full disclosure, inviting God and, and his redeemed into our sorrow, into our pain, He goes on in verse 19 to say, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. He asked God to remember all that he suffered, the bitter herbs of wormwood and and gall descriptive of the bitterness of his affliction, his soul having sunk down into the, the pit of darkness I would ask, have you been there? Are are you there even now, perhaps? I mean, I don't know about you, but again, I'm incredibly grateful for the honesty here. Scripture itself declaring, you're not alone. We all live outside of Eden. He goes on in verse 21, and this is the crux of this morning's passage. He says, but this I call to mind, In the midst of the the bitterness of my affliction, and therefore I have hope. Notice what happens in the moment when the darkness feels the darkest. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Literally, this I cause to return to my heart. If I'm gonna have any hope of having hope, the author of Lamentation says, my heart's gotta rest in something hope worthy. That's my only chance. In this particular dark night of the soul, what is that something? That truth that gives rise to, to hope and the reorientation of this man's heart? In the very next verse, he says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How does he know? How does he know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases? How does he know that God's mercies never come to an end? How does he know that the faithfulness of the Lord is great? He can know something of of God's wisdom and and power, Romans one, by looking out on the landscape of creation, surely. How does he know about the love of God, the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God? Exodus chapter 34, verse six. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Going back to last week, here you have a man having continued in the sacred writing, 2 Timothy chapter 3, whose understanding of God's nature and character is not the product of human speculation, but rather divine revelation. How does he know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases? How does he know that God's mercies never come to an end? How does he know that the faithfulness of the Lord is great? The answer, we just sang it. The Bible tells him so, the sacred writings tell him so. A man having familiarized himself with God's word, here calling to mind the truth therein in a moment of deep sorrow and bitter affliction, giving rise to a song of hope. The very lyrics of that song inspired by the sacred writings of scripture. It's something that we see too in Mary's song of praise. Luke chapter one, the lyrics of of that great Christmas carol drawn from at least, at least nine Old Testament books of the Bible. Mary too, a woman well-versed in the scriptures, she was so well-versed that when prompted to sing of God's character, nature, and being, the lyrics of her song flowed from the very pages of God's word, just seeped out of her. Her knowledge of the scriptures informing her trust in the Lord when she didn't have all the answers in the moment, when she wasn't sure how God would bring it about, his faithfulness to keep his promises, to carry out this story of redemption with her part in it, See it too in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew chapter four. In Jesus' case, up against the whispers of the devil of hell, as if our own inner voices weren't enough to contend with. The enemy calling into question the trustworthiness of God's word and the security of Jesus's identity as God's beloved son. Even going so far as to quote scripture, taking Psalm 91 out of context in an effort to try to take Jesus out. That is sobering. What does Jesus do in his very own dark night of the soul? Answer the same thing that the author of Lamentations does. Calling to the, the truth of God's word to mind, running three times to the sacred writings of Deuteronomy in response to the father of lies. I mean, if Jesus needed the scriptures... That without divine revelation, we're we're left with nothing more than our own speculation, particularly in moments of sorrow, moments of uncertainty, moments of despair. That going back to last last week, we, we must immerse ourselves in the scriptures if we have any hope of fighting the good fight of faith, a people committed to continuing in the sacred writings, to use that language of 2 Timothy 3. But we too must be a people committed to, Calling the truth therein to mind when our hearts are most in danger of drifting from what we profess to believe. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This I cause to return to my heart, to sink back down deep into my bones yet again. A little self preaching, you might say, like the psalmist in both Psalms 42 and 43. Psalm 42, 11, the psalmist says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Martin Lloyd-Jones argued from the, the lyrics of Psalms 42 and 43 that we need to regularly be grabbing ourselves by the proverbial collar and saying, listen up, self, and that we need to be doing that with, with each other reminding one another of who God is and his many promises that find their yes in Jesus. that It's what we mean as a church when we use the language of preaching the gospel to yourself and each other. It's what we mean when we talk about that rhythm for community groups of gospeling and prayer. Gospel means good news. We're good newsing each other and then we're praying for each other. It's this idea of calling truth to mind in the fight to believe in the moment, real time, real moments, real people desperate for real truth. Coming back to an old Charles Spurgeon quote, a Bible that's falling apart, Spurgeon once said, usually belongs to someone who isn't. To which I trust Spurgeon would be the first to add, assuming that the person who owns that dilapidated Bible is actually wielding the truth therein in real moments, in real time, when the sorrow is greatest, when the darkness is darkest. That's what you find in in the book of Lamentations. A man whose study of Exodus 34 was more than about acquiring knowledge. A man who knew that he just might need that truth in the midst of a hopeless situation, an arrow to, to aim at his sorrowful, despairing heart. Several years back, we we studied the book of of Jonah. And the aim of, of our study of that book was that we would see that our God is a God who is sovereign over all things, that he appoints the great fish of the deep and the smallest of worms and scorching east winds so that when everything in our life would seem to be coming unraveling at the seams, we could recall the truth that therein that our God is sovereign over the greatest of fish and the smallest of worms and scorching east winds and everything that we're going through in the moment. When we studied Ecclesiastes several years back, yes and amen, it was to see that clawing after the things of this world is a grasping at smoke, a vanity of vanities, to live our lives under the sun in that way when God calls us to see this story of redemption that's above the sun that we've been swept up into, yes and amen, so that when we're tempted in the moment, real time, real situations, to grasp at the things of this world, we would be reminded of that imagery, that smoke, it's vapor. That going back to, to last week, my hope is that yes and amen, that our Bibles would be falling apart at the seams, in our unwavering commitment to continue in the sacred writings as students of the word, never ceasing to grow in the scriptures. But more than that, or in addition to that, my hope is that we would be wielders of the truths found in those worn out Bibles of ours in those moments when we most desperately need to be reminded of those truths, that we might rest in those truths. The author of Lamentations goes on to say in verse 24, and this sort of dovetails us into where we're headed next week. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I will hope in the Lord. Next week, we're gonna talk about delighting in God. I wanna make the point that it's possible to make a a, a discipline out of continuing in the sacred writings and even Knowing how to recall those things to mind in a, such a formulaic way that we miss actually delighting in God, in a, in a redeemed relationship with our Creator and, and Rescuer. Notice that the author of Lamentations, here in verse 24, he declares God Himself to be His greatest treasure, more than rescue from the dark night of the soul in which He finds Himself like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter three, as they awaited their fate in refusing to worship Nebuchadnezzar. What do they say? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. As we'll get into more deeply next week, the hope is not that we would grow in our knowledge of the scriptures and our ability even to aim it at our hearts in real time, real moments as real people, desperate for real truth, only to fall short of our greatest happiness and hope in God himself rather that our resoluteness in these things that we talked about last week and this morning would lead us to truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Again, more to come on that next week as we talk about what it is to treasure God in a direct sense and also to, to delight in him through the things that he's made without making those things idols. But for now, I would just commend to you, again, going back to last week, that that we would be resolute in our commitment to the scriptures. or Organizationally, yes and amen. Hold us accountable if we begin to veer with respect to the pulpit of this church from God's word into stories and felt needs and things that, that have relinquished their grip on the scriptures, the sacred writings. And yes and amen, if our community group environments begin to veer away from the scriptures as the sure foundation for the conversations that we're having in living rooms together, but also that we would be resolute organically, personally, individually, in our commitment to the scriptures, recognizing that we're building an arsenal as we do, and then also fighting together to call the truths therein to mind, whether it's self-preaching, as Lloyd-Jones contended for, staring at ourselves in the mirror, so to speak, grabbing ourselves by the collar and saying, listen up soul, this is what you need to hear right now and rest in and trust, call back to mind, return your heart to, but that we would do that with each other as well. I've lost track of the number of times that I'm feeble need and I can't remember the truth that I need to be reminded of. And a brother or sister in this church reminds me and keeps me going another day. We need each other. We need the community, the family. We get into that two weeks from now. Three weeks from now, we'll see how all of this is evangelism. All of it. Everything we talked about last week, this week, where we're heading the next couple of weeks as we close out the month of January, we'll see that all of this is evangelistic in the culture that we're seeking to build with these things. But for now, I wanna invite us to Call the truth to mind through the song of the church. If you go back, recall the songs that we sang before we opened up the scriptures together in the preaching of God's word. Those songs were selected because they, they align with this value. You see it in just a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna sing the, the truths therein in a together way. And, and here's kind of the crazy thing about it, that Oftentimes, the lyrics of a song, they don't all strike us the same way, right? We're, you may come in one Sunday and, and go, that, that lyric, that line resonates with me, and come back two months later and go, I'm, I feel a disconnect with where I'm at in life right now, but even when you feel disconnected from the very song that you're singing that finds its roots in the scriptures as we gather as a church, others around you are hearing your voice, and they're recalling to mind the truths that need to sink deep down into them in these moments. This is a powerful exercise we're about to practice, the song of the church gathered. Also be an opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper. If you're a Christian, I would encourage you not to do that, but rather that your next step would be one of repentance and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. If you wanna talk more about that, I'd love to connect with you. I'll be back in the back of the auditorium for the rest of our service Love to set up a time to meet outside of our time here as well, if you're open to that. If you are a Christian, we we take the bread representing the broken body of Jesus. We dip it in the cup representing his shed blood. Apart from the finished work of Christ, Jesus loves me, this I know has no basis. So as you receive the bread and the cup, as there are tables on either side of the stage and there's a Gluten-free table in the back of the auditorium there. I just encourage you to call to mind the truth that his body was broken for you, his blood shed for you, that you could sing the the simplest of songs and it be true. Jesus loves me, this I know. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions about this message, visit us at crosspointptc.com. There you can contact us, find further resources, and directions to our gatherings. That's C-R-O-S-S-P-O-I-N-T-E-P-T-C.com.